0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Season 5 of Uncap It. It's your hosts, Kennedy and Carmen, and today we are going to be discussing a little bit about education and politics and how these two things can intersect.
1: First off, we want to start by discussing how politics impacts schools. A recent study showed that 48% of principals
0: and 40% of teachers feel politics impact their job directly. So a couple different ways that politics can impact principals and teachers' jobs as well as the school system. So one of the big things that we see impacting the schools are school levies. And also another way that politics impact the school system is the belief system of current politicians. Because certain politicians have specific values that influence how they think our education system should function. So depending on who's in office, we can have different policies and practice of what's happening in our school systems.
1: Now, in terms of the actual school system and how we go about our education, there's a difference between government education and political education. So government education means learning about the functions of government. Examples of this would be studying the three branches of government and their functions, how a bill becomes a law, or how the electoral college works.
0: On the flip side of that, political education is slightly different than just learning about the government. It has a focus on the more political things because politics is a method through which we run our government. Politics is much more of an abstract concept because it relates to a belief system more than just a standard set of behaviors. Politics is more than just the laws and the constitution. It's about people's actual beliefs. Absolutely.
1: Government education teaches about the systems that do not change regardless of who is in office. Politics will vary based on who has the power. This is because our politics are dictated
0: by our belief systems. So thinking about our personal experiences, but I think for we can speak pretty generally that students learn a lot more about the government functions than politics because it's pretty standard to take a government class, maybe a U.S. history class where you learn about these specific laws and the Constitution and how the government is set up and the three branches of government. But it's not as typical to learn about the political beliefs of the parties within a school. Oh, definitely.
1: As a junior in high school, I had a required government class, but we never went beyond a pretty surface level understanding of what the two parties are. Like, obviously, we know that there exists a two party system, but we never went into the specific belief systems.
0: Right. And because of this lack of talking and teaching about politics in school, we just want to talk a little bit about how teachers would even go about speaking about politics within school, because like Carmen mentioned earlier, Politics change based on which party's in charge, our policies are constantly changing, and the political parties are shifting quite frequently. So what would be really important about learning and teaching about politics in school would be a bipartisan education, and we would want to be able to have both sides of the aisle represented when we're teaching kids about the two-party system.
1: Absolutely, and this is because education can impact polarization. We've talked about in previous episodes the polarization and I guess a culture of toxic politics, so minimizing this is something really important and we can approach it through our school systems. This is because teachers can be major role models. A teacher's behavior and their classroom expectations can shape the development of students' behaviors. The way in which teachers approach politics and how they go about discussing them impacts what students take away from a lesson.
0: Teachers have the ability within their classroom to create more or less polarization. They have the opportunity to ease polarization and let the conversations in their classroom will be beneficial and respectful to everybody's beliefs. But we do want to note that the political education shouldn't just occur in the classroom. There's a lot of outside factors that influence our political beliefs, including our family members, our friends, going on to teammates, and lots of other things that shape who we are and what we believe in. So while teachers are very important to this and they can offer an education about the two-party system, about what the two parties believe, they're not the only way that students should be developing their political education. The University of Albany in New York conducted a study
1: titled Can Education Reduce Political Polarization? Fostering Open-Minded Political Engagement During the Legislative Semester. For context, the legislative semester is a non-partisan semester-long civics and government curriculum that empowers high school students to authentically simulate the legislative process. So through this study, the University of Albany compared high schools that were going about their regular civics courses versus ones that implemented this legislative semester. The findings of applying this course are as follows. Students in the LS program became more politically engaged and open-minded than students in the traditional government course. Whereas studying and exploring various political issues was especially helpful for the development of political engagement, considering diverse political perspectives in an open classroom environment was helpful for the development of political open-mindedness.
0: This study concluded that repeated opportunities to examine diverse political ideas with peers can foster the development of open-minded political engagement. And this program encouraged careful listening rather than polite hearing. And this is central for the development of political open-mindedness. And this really just means that they wanted to encourage the students who were taking this course to actually listen to each other instead of just hearing other people's beliefs and pushing them to the side and just continuing to believe what they have always believed.
1: Absolutely. It's really easy to sit there and look like you're listening, but to not actually be listening because you're already making up your answer in your own head. You already have this belief system that you're very strong in. You're not open to other point of views. And so encouraging this careful listening instead of just polite hearing will make sure that you're going to be more open-minded in your practice.
0: Right, and doing this with high schoolers could be very beneficial because as we get into the adult world, a lot of people don't want to have those hard conversations, and if we could have these skills earlier on in life, that would be very beneficial.
1: The quality of our political education has been impacted by many things, especially the COVID-19 pandemic. Educators are dealing with fatigue related to the pandemic as well as the political stress that can result
0: from it. And it seems like the pandemic happened so long ago, but it's still definitely impacting people because there was a lot of polarization during that time. And I think some people are still dealing with, like you said, the fatigue of all of that happening at the time. So we want to talk a little bit now about our experiences as we've had very different experiences, Carmen and I, with our education growing up. And we just kind of want to talk a little bit about. Well, how we learned about the government, how we learned about politics, and how that has been different through the different stages of school, how we learned about it in elementary school versus high school, and now in college. So my experience was a
1: little bit different than the majority of people because I was homeschooled from first through eighth grade. So my education, while it met all the standards of the state of Ohio, it did not follow the direct sequence that most elementary or middle school students followed. However, I transitioned to public school in my freshman year of high school, and so that year I took world history, the next year I took U.S. history, the following year I took a government class, and then my senior year I took a college class on campus at ONU titled the Cold War, which counted as my history class that year.
0: And I also had a little bit of a different experience than most people with my schooling because I went to a private Catholic school for all of my education from first grade all the way up until high school so politics was definitely a little bit more impactful on our education because our school was associated with a religion and people were more comfortable talking about values and beliefs because we were at a school where everybody shared a similar religion it was more comfortable to talk about your values however we didn't discuss a lot about politics within our coursework we took similar classes to what carmen mentioned world history as well as government and u.s history were my classes that i took about the government we never took any classes specifically about the two political parties or polarization or anything like that but now looking at college in comparison to my experiences in high school and elementary school, I would say college stresses political education a little bit more than my past education. And that may just be because I'm biased and I'm a political science major. (laughs) So of course we're talking about (laughs) politics. But I think even my friends who are not in any sort of political degree would agree that In college, you're definitely exposed to a lot more politics, and it's definitely way more talked about in class, and I would even say that professors are much more open about what their political beliefs are, whereas in high school and in elementary school, as we talked about earlier, teachers don't want to influence their students with a political party, so I don't feel like they're as open about what their beliefs are. Influencing
1: at a formative age especially, because now at college, we've kind of reached that adulthood technically, and so our belief systems, we're more capable of making educated decisions. And it's also something that comes with age as well, like political education, like we've talked about, it doesn't just happen in the classroom. So I'm paying attention to the news a lot more than I did in elementary school, let alone high school. I wasn't that involved with the news, and I wasn't staying up to date with current events as much as I am now.
0: Right. And you also have to think about that sometimes when you're in elementary school and even high school, you're not ready to learn about all of those things. And it's a very complicated topic to understand. Carmen and I are both political science majors (laughs) and we still have lots to learn about our political system. And so it couldn't be difficult to teach these things in a manner that young kids can understand.
1: We're really excited to have our guest for this episode because it is a high school social studies and government teacher from Ada High School. So it'll be interesting to hear directly from a teacher in the school system about her thoughts about education and politics.
0: So like Carmen said, we are very excited to have a teacher joining us so that she can give us her perspective about education and politics. So if you could just introduce yourself and what your job is.
2: I am Kristen Salyer. This is my 12th year in education. I taught previously at Allen East, um, a school down the road, and then this is my 10th year at Ada. I did not always think I wanted to be a teacher. I actually started in nursing, and then my first semester, first quarter at Ohio State, um, I actually was really inspired by a TA. It was a history TA that he was just like super passionate, and I had switched to history, thinking I would make, might work at like Monticello or something like that, and but this guy was like so passionate and I was like you know what if he can inspire me in like this you know history college class maybe this is something I could pursue so I changed to like an education track and yeah so ended up social studies education at Allen East I did not teach government and when there was a opening at Ada I was really interested in applying because I'm from here um, right. I moved to Ada when I was in third grade and graduated from Ada and I never thought I'd end up back here but once I was in the area I was like you know what I might as well just be in my hometown the Ada job was a little daunting because it was three prep, so three different courses to teach including government and I did not like government as a high school student <laughs> so I had to kind of like weigh like the pros and cons I seriously made a list and one of them one of my cons was well you would have to teach government there was too many advantages of teaching in Ada so I went for it and there was one opportunity for me to drop a prep and pick up something different. And this has truly been the one class government that I can't imagine not teaching. It's been my favorite, which is really ironic. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I start every school year off when I'm in government and Carmen, you might remember this as I say, like listen, I was in the same classroom, right? When I was 16 years old, I did not like this class. I did not think that it had like a lot of value. I thought it was really boring and really dry. Like I understand how you might feel, but I'm gonna do my best to make it really come to life and be interesting for you. So yeah, I think that's that's me, I guess year 12. Um, I guess this is my 10th year teaching government.
1: Oh that's awesome. You sound like the perfect person for this topic. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We want to kick off the interview with the question: Do you think we are talking enough about politics in school?
2: So this is kind of tricky. So this is a high school course, of course, and the kids are still living at home with their parents. Right. They have like some very basics about like maybe what the three branches of government are when they come into my class as juniors. And honestly, even that is a struggle. Like I'll be like, okay, what are the three branches of government? And they like can't really remember all three. And, and even then, they, like, know very basic stuff. Like, oh, the legislature passes laws. So truly, like, my job is for them to understand the structure and, like, how things work, the process. And so – I think it's kind of like we could talk more about politics in in high school courses, but like my purpose is to make sure they understand, you know, the three branches of government, the constitution, how the branches of government check and, you know, balance each other, how does state government come into play, local government and whatnot, and that honestly takes almost an entire school year. Right. I know that when I first started teaching, there were some schools around Ohio that only taught government in a semester, and I cannot imagine how you would ever do that. I really go into depth about things, and I've had students graduate, Dr. Alexander's daughters, for instance, will say like, you know what, you're really talking about things that he talks about in his classes and like, you know, ONU. Um, And part of that's because he's helped me. Like I was like, listen, I'm trying to talk about the electoral college. Like, can you help me explain this? So when I'm teaching it to the kids, I want it to come to life and give them really good examples. So because of that, it does take like the full year. Right. So are we talking about politics enough I think it would be really just hard to do. Um, the kids come in with again such little knowledge about how things work, and then we also have to add this like media literacy component. I talk about this at the beginning of the school year, like where you get your news really matters. It's really gonna like shape how you view things. If I were to just be like, let's talk about politics, let's talk about immigration, they're kind of pretty much come in with sometimes either views that are maybe from their parents or from TikTok, and not a lot of like foundation about like why things are the way they are. So I, what I think maybe could benefit high schoolers is if you could, you know, let them take the junior year government course, but then when they're seniors, we don't have a required fourth social studies course. Like, you know, you have to take four maths. You have to take so many Englishes. Social studies is one that once you're a junior, you're done. Now there's elective courses, but I think what could benefit our students well is if like, you know, we focused more on, you know, history from like the eighties to now, and then also politics, you know. That way, you could actually okay. Now that you know all of this stuff, let's talk about, you know, what are the similarities between, like, you know, Putin and Hitler, for instance. You know what I mean? Yes. So we could talk about it more, but they've got it. They still have to get what I'm already giving them, and that's like a full year.
0: Right. Yeah. You definitely need that history behind the politics yes. to understand what politics actually mean. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Because
1: it's really interesting that you bring up that idea of drilling in just the basics of government mm-hmm. because a couple seasons ago, Kennedy and the former co-host did student interviews and they asked those basic oh, questions and there was college students that had a hard time answering what are the three branches of government.
2: Yeah. And I honestly think like, the, the, I don't know, the, kid, the kids don't bring enough knowledge you know beforehand for us to have like a valuable conversation right now, right that sometimes when we talk about certain amendments for instance like okay, you understand this amendment okay what do you think about this but it's got to be a lot of work ahead of time before that if that makes sense right. yes
0: and when you're having those conversations like like you said about like a specific amendment how do you go about talking about it in a bipartisan way or without partisanship towards one way or the other in your classroom
2: Huh. Well, I really just try to play devil's advocate or, like, play, you know, be extremely objective. This is, like, a, just an example. Like, we're talking about immigration and um, the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas and, like, you know, why why do that? You know, should the Republican Party have pushed that? You know, is it whose responsibility is it? If a, if a kid were to offer something, I might say, well, what about this? So I guess just being very mindful of, you know, making sure you're presenting both sides if you can. Now, there are some things that are really tricky. Like, there are certain topics, for instance, that I'm honestly kind of scared to talk about in the classroom because it is so contentious right now. Right. So like the 2020 election, you know, that is based on where you get your news. Like, your views are very different about the outcome of that election. And so when I just like talk about facts like facts are stubborn things like sorry this is how things are but that is something that you know you want to present both sides but even by just like talking about a certain topic at all you know sometimes Mm -hmm. that even feels like am I gonna get a call home you know I haven't honestly gotten any parent phone calls so I do think I'm doing a pretty good job of showing both sides like to just today finished a test and then I showed them a 60 minutes like 13 minute video about the southern border and immigration and Chinese immigration and and just kind of showing like I don't necessarily have an opinion about this, but this is what's happening. And, like, here is actual footage for you guys to see it. And you could tell the kids were just, like, you know, eyes glued to the TV because it was probably, like, eye-opening for them to actually see it. You know, we hear about it, but do you see it?
0: Right. And those can be such difficult conversations to have. Like you're saying, some issues are so touchy right now that Mm -hmm. it's even hard to play devil's advocate because you don't want anybody to get upset about what you're teaching. For sure.
1: How do you encourage civic engagement in your classroom?
2: Of course, like one thing I say is like, even though they're juniors, some of them are able to vote in this like primary, like next month. I mean, you know, I, I tell them like, listen, like this is something that is a gift. Like you need to vote. I don't care who you vote for, but do your research and make sure you're actually, you know, practicing your right to vote. And then as seniors, even though they're not in government and they may not be in like any elective course with me, i like find them in the hallway. I be like, make sure you're going to vote. Other things I've done in the past, I've encouraged students to go to like the mayor forum, school board forum, go to a school board meeting. Um, we've gone to council meetings. We like have just like, hey, it's a nice day. Let's go out and pick up trash. Like, This is why we're doing this. I'm senior class advisor. And one thing we do in the spring is we do a community service day. And we actually did that in the fall of this year as well. And just kind of explaining that, like, listen, like, you're literally giving back to your community right now and, like, how important this is, whether it's, you know, painting signs for, like, the the village of Ada or helping a community member that maybe has is sick and can out, can't get out to do yard work. It's about, you know, just being involved in your community.
0: Exactly. And I think it's nice to hear that you're preaching that civic engagement is more than just, like, voting or being engaged in politics. It's about helping your community in other ways as well. Absolutely. So how do you deal with students who have different beliefs and values? And how do you get them to work together? Or do you feel like your students are even vocal about what their values are right now?
2: I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I can tell that some of them might like make small comments, but they're not normally like, this is my view. It's, it, might, it might just be like a really like side comment, like, oh, Biden, or something like that. Right. So we're really not like talking about, I'm not like, well, why'd you say that? Let's have a conversation. We're kind of just doing notes. You know what I mean? And there are times in which, you know, maybe they do start talking. I might just, like, let it go as long as it's respectful. But I think going back to the beginning of the year, when we talk about media literacy and the importance of getting, like, credible news and, like, making sure that you're not just going to something that's, like, left or right and making sure you're getting, like, really centrist news. Or, or again, if you are going to Fox, make sure you are going to MSNBC and make make to I don't know, to understand the other side. I also have shown them things about, there's just, like, different topics about You know how gerrymandering is like really making like really far right and far left candidates go to dc and how like that's really stupid because then we have people that cannot compromise because they're from very different sides right instead of getting someone that's maybe like purple right that might appeal to both you don't have as many moderates and so i kind of just try to slip in how many times like i can throughout the year how important it is that we compromise and that we were respectful to people of the other side that you know we have a democracy And there are challenges with democracy. You know, sometimes there's gridlock, but it's much better than living in a country where, you know, you can only have one view and just making sure that they understand that, like, again, compromise and having respectful dialogue is important.
0: Absolutely. I think those are great things to reinforce in the classroom.
1: To return to where this conversation started, should we be waiting until high school to study government in depth?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I really, I think that it's it's tricky, because I think, like, it sounds like you guys obviously have a passion for this, but if you can think back to your high school classrooms, and you think about those students that you sat next to in those classrooms, like, how many of them really cared and, like, enjoyed it, right? (laughs) Not many, and, like, even with my students now, I... You know, sometimes you can see, like, maybe a light bulb going off in someone's head. And, you know, you see a lot of, like, I don't know, like, biofeedback, like, head nods and things like that. But a lot of times, I'm going to be completely honest, some of these kids are just like, when's lunch? You know what I mean? (laughs) So I can try my best to, like, bring the energy and explain, like, how important things are. But how often are kids, like, speaking up and, like, getting super engaged and and passionate? I don't know that I see that. Now, if there was a club for them, for kids that are interested to go to – But, like, going back to that, like, if you think about your high school classroom, it's almost like sometimes they can take on this mood of, this is government, I just want to get out of here. And, like, to speak up and be passionate is maybe almost something kind of scary to do.
3: Right. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: And so I think, like, even as juniors, when I'm like, you are a year away from voting, it's still a struggle for them to understand how important it is. I cannot imagine doing it younger. I have a friend that used to teach this class to freshmen – And, like, even though it still affects them, you know, we can talk about, like, taxes and schools and state testing. Like, all of these things are decisions made by the government. To have a 14-year-old understand that or a 12-year-old understand that, it's hard. Now, in certain homes, like, if, like, your parents are talking to you, like, my kids can name presidents, you know, because their their mom's a social studies teacher. (laughs) A lot of families might not be like that. So it would be, I think, challenging to get a whole grade of younger students involved. I do think it would be really cool to have a club that was about civic engagement or, like, young Republicans, young Democrats, or something like that. Combined, you might have better discussion Right, bringing kids together. I just don't know how you would do it much younger.
0: Right, and I think even sometimes in college, some people who are college-aged don't really have an interest in government yet either, and for a lot of times... People don't start paying attention until politics, until they're, like, out in the workforce. Mm-hmm. So I understand where you're coming from. That it could be difficult to teach younger grades about government.
2: I will say, though, that I do tell the kids that you guys, like, in my home, I knew of, like, okay, so I remember, like, 2004 uh, Bush versus Kerry. Like, I remember, like, my dad talking about that and going to, you know, high school and saying, like, oh, I want this person to win, probably because my dad did. I remember that, and I remember – um Bush and Gore, like, in, like, sixth grade. Like, I remember sixth grade and sophomore year. These kids, though, like, they are probably exposed to way more than I ever was because they have their cell phones and social media and TikTok. So some of them, I tell them, like, you guys probably have a lot more access to information than I ever did because I was not reading a newspaper when I was, like, 15. If my parents turned on the news while we ate dinner, like, I was exposed to some of that and, like, maybe my dad making comments, but not like they are. So, I think that they're, like, quietly civically engaged. You know, as seniors, I teach sociology and psychology. And in SOCH, we talk about things, I don't know, some things connect to this. And kids will make comments that maybe didn't make comments as juniors. And I can tell, like, oh, they probably were paying attention. They probably do have views. It's just they're not expressing them.
0: Right. So we have one more segment on our podcast. It is called Fact or Cap, which is just, like, Gen Z, true or false. So if you agree with the statement, you'll say fact. And if you disagree, you'll say cap. So our factor cap for today is politics only impact your life when you're old enough to vote. Factor cap. Definitely cap.
2: Um, <laughs> I, it was, I was just talking to my daughters. I was like, mommy's going to drop you off and I'm going to go back up to you, and I'm going to do a podcast. They're like, what's that? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, mommy's a government teacher. What's the government? And I'm like, um, <laughs> like um, you know, the president and like laws. What are laws? You know, so I'm kind of explaining this to them. But certainly, like, it's definitely affecting you, even if you're, you know, not a voter. You know, your parents are making decisions that are, you know, I talk about the federal debt. Like, we were just talking about that last, last week, and I was explaining how, like, we're in a lot of debt. And, like, one thing that Nikki Haley is bringing up is that essentially, like, the members of Congress right now are borrowing from future generations, and how, like, you know, the debt that we're in like we are going to eventually have to pay back in some way I couldn't explain it but like we have to be mindful of that because like we the you know the economy right now is it's going to change and like I don't know like how that's going to affect maybe college for them and like if they make decisions to go to college like you know interest rates on homes and things like that so certainly like You know, we already mentioned like state testing and like, you know, the the rules about, you know, the mandates and like the COVID, all of that is affecting them. And honestly, it's been really good for me as a teacher, because when I used to teach about like recession, I had to talk about inflation and I was like, okay, so what is inflation? Well, you guys experience this now so that you guys understand this. And not that like any one person makes all the rules and, you know, makes decisions that affect all of that, but- I try to explain how, like, the Federal Reserve and the president and, like, you know, global politics and all of this stuff, like a global health crisis is affecting this. And their decisions, again, are going to affect, again, the economy. I don't know. All of that stuff. So I cannot stress enough, like, how much I try to bring it home to them so that this is affecting you all the time. Now, again, whether or not they're thinking about, you know, the the lunch that they're about to eat or they're actually <laughs> tuning in to, like, what Mrs. Sayer's is talking about. I can't say for sure. It'd be nice to interview them. What are they getting out of my lectures?
1: Absolutely. No, this is something I experienced in my own life growing up. I, like so equated politics with elections and specifically or specific politicians but then as I aged mm-hmm. and the more I learned about it it's how much it affects everything Absolutely. and everything in our life all Absolutely. the resources here local governments, state mm-hmm. governments federal governments yeah in some way it all ties
0: yeah. back
2: I mean do you mind if I flip the question on you guys I mean do you think that we're talking about politics enough in high schools
0: I think like what you said if we could have some sort of like organizations in high school like a group or some sort of like civic discourse that would be nice but I think it would be very hard to talk about politics in a classroom setting mm-hmm. especially with the political climate right now. Yeah. I think it is so difficult like you said these kids are coming with like basically just the beliefs of their parents at this mm-hmm. point and so it would be very hard to foster a good conversation in the classroom but I think if you found those students who are passionate about it and gave them a space to learn about it that would be really nice because Mm -hmm. I know like that wasn't something we had at my high school and I think it would be good if we could implement that in more high schools absolutely
1: yeah in high school I was curious about politics But I was also very hesitant to ever talk about my own personal opinion. So I loved the government aspect where we're learning about the functions, but I was also very curious to learn more about the specific political parties and their belief systems. But it's also very, it's a difficult topic. To discuss yeah, in a classroom. Absolutely.
2: Especially like with government, I've got a state test at the end of the year that I have to like, I've got to hit these standards and yes. there's not a lot of time really to get off topic and talk about certain issues. I do try to integrate. It's been a crazy few years, you know, like the speaker, the speaker race last year, you know, was like, guys, this is unusual. How many times that we're voting for the speaker? You know, we've had House members censured, House members kicked out. Like we talked about George Santos. We've had, you know, new speakers come in and it's been it's been a way for me to be like, objectively, this is what's happening. I'm not giving you my opinion. I am saying this is crazy. This doesn't happen. Like, hey, this is the first time we've impeached a cabinet member in 150 years and actually the only second time total. So I I feel like I'm able to put those current events in there and kind of like, you know, open that up for them to like, hey, pay attention to what happens tonight. Like there's probably going to be an announcement. The House is going to vote again. Pay attention to what the vote is. Get them kind of paying attention, but again, not telling them my thoughts on it. Just like, be, inv- be interested in the process. Yeah, the fact that
1: we're living through history makes it a lot easier to have yes. these types of conversations.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, I think that's all we have for you today, so thank you so much for joining us thank and you. sharing your opinion as a teacher. It's really great to hear from your side how politics are impacting education. Thank you. thank you for
3: what you guys are doing too.
1: And here we are with our Polar Bear POV guest. Could you introduce yourself, your name, major, and year, please?
3: Hi, my name is Lydia Zamora. I am a P3. I'm a pharmacy major and I have a minor in Spanish for healthcare professionals. Thank
0: you so much for joining us on the podcast today. So in today's episode, we've been talking about the difference between learning about politics in high school and learning about government in high school. So what was your high school experience like when it came to learning about politics and governments? What kind of classes did you
3: take? So I believe my sophomore year, I took just like regular American history and we kind of touched on politics somewhat but it was more like the founding of the country and like the constitution and that kind of thing and then we didn't really get into like current day politics and there was I believe the year after that you were supposed to take government but if you were in CCP classes you could basically bypass that and take any kind of history class you wanted which is what I did so then I didn't really get any government experience beyond that like basic history class interesting. What CCP class did you take? I honestly don't remember. (laughs) It was definitely, it was something about government, but I think it might have been like constitutional and it was more about that aspect. And we did, so we kind of learned about the history of it, but not really modern day politics at all. And I know in the other class, in the other government class, they got much more into it, but you weren't required to take that. Like I bypassed that class. So It was kind of like you weren't forced to learn that. Interesting.
1: Like our experiences that we were talking about earlier in the podcast, we also didn't have a lot of political education. And so do you think we should be talking about politics more in high school? Or were you okay with the level of experience or education that you had?
3: I feel like I didn't really think about it in high school. But as I came to college and I realized, well, as I became a voter, I realized that I really knew nothing about how they democratic system worked and when i went to go vote for the first time like I have a summer birthday so I didn't turn 18 until after I was out of high school. So a lot of my friends were in high school and were voting and didn't know what to do. So then when November came around and I voted in my first election, I had no idea like what to expect. Right. And what I was even voting for some of the like positions, at least in like the local government, I didn't even know what those people did. So like, I think if I got, had gotten that education in high school, I would have felt more prepared to vote when I became an adult.
1: Definitely. We talk a lot about how politics are always affecting you no matter what age you are. But when you come of age to vote, that's when it seems like it's so much more important because now you actually have the say. You do have a say in other ways, but it seems a lot more important when you finally get the chance to vote.
0: And do you think now that you're in college, do you think in your college experience you are talking more about politics or learning
3: more about politics within your classes at all? As a STEM major, I feel like we don't talk a lot about that we do kind of with we have a pharmacy law class and so we kind of get into how politics and legislation around drugs work but not really any other subjects but I will say that even in my gen ed classes I feel like we touch more and it's a much more open thing to talk about I feel like in high school it was very like taboo and you really weren't supposed to talk about it and people kind of like took it as a sensitive subject and I feel like in college even if you have differing opinions it's easier to discuss it in a more like I would say like safe zone like it it's more about learning instead of like arguing with each other so I feel like even in some of my just general education classes I've learned more about politics.
0: I agree I think it's a much more open environment and I think at the age that we are a lot of people are like exploring their political beliefs for what like they believe now it's no longer just like what your parents thought or what you heard when you were at home so I think people are much more likely to talk about politics in college.
1: Our final question is changing the subject up a little bit so what role do you think teachers play in civically engaging their students?
3: I feel like teachers are very important because they have a big influence on their students and like we said with your own political beliefs you tend to believe what your parents believe until you kind of get out of out of your house and you know experiencing your own life you kind of start to develop your own opinions about things but teachers can kind of present the information in more of like a neutral way and give you kind of like all the facts about politics that you might not get when you're just talking to your parents and, and they tell you what they think and I feel like It is such a sensitive subject for some people. Like I went to a very small school and it was very, everyone kind of had a very similar belief system. And so if you like spoke out differently about that, it was kind of like, ooh, like you're not supposed to do that. But I think that if teachers started talking about it and not putting such a negative connotation about it, it would make it uh, easier for us to learn more about it. And before we, you know, get out of high school and, and it's like you're thrown into voting and you don't know what you're doing.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today, Lydia.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast for more episodes like this one and check out our social media to stay up to date with the rest of ICAP. Our handles on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are ONU underscore ICAP with two Ps. See you guys next time. Bye, guys.